We are in Romans chapter 8 this morning, and uh, this is the second of a five-part series as we walk verse by verse through uh, Romans chapter 8. And last week, we looked at the, the fact that, that Paul says in Romans chapter 1, there is, or Romans chapter 8 verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And uh, we looked at why there is no con- condemnation. It's because of all that Jesus has done on the cross for us. Uh, he took all our condemnation upon himself. And uh, that sin was condemned for eternity. Now, some of you may question that because we are tempted day in and day out it seems as though sin is very much alive in our hearts and lives and that uh, it hasn't been conquered here and yes the battle is real and that's what we're looking at this morning as we look at the spirits or the flesh in our lives because Paul spells out some important truths that uh, we need to uh, open our hearts and minds to be aware of. So, Romans chapter 8, and uh, we're going to be get beginning with verse 5. We're reading verses 5 through 17 this morning. Paul says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, and it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it can't. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life Give also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified in him. I don't know if you've heard that uh, prayer, but it goes something like this. 
Dear Lord, so far I'm, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. And I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. Can any of you identify with that prayer? I think we can all identify with prayer, that prayer if we're, we're honest this morning. Um, yes, Jesus has set us free from sin and death. But there is still this battle that is raging on the inside between the spirit and the flesh. We're going to be looking a little bit at Romans chapter 7 this morning because Paul who wrote these words, these, these, uh, these, these, this, these victorious words in Romans chapter 8 struggled with this battle personally. But uh, in these verses this morning, uh, Paul tells us that there are some manifestations, there's some evidence uh, for those who are walking in the Spirit. And he's encouraging all of us to not walk in the flesh, not trust the flesh, but walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you're walking in his, the power of His Spirit, it's going to, it's going to produce tremendous fruit, particularly in times that we need it most. But what's the proof? What's the evidence that you and I are walking in the spirit and not the flesh. Five things I want to share with you this morning. The first one is this. There's going to be a mindset change. A mindset change. Look at verses 5 and 6 again. Paul says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Church, I don't have to tell you that the mind is a very powerful muscle in our body. And it controls, uh, what we think controls our behavior. Solomon says this in Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. My question to you this morning is what captivates your mind? What, what gets your attention? What do you think more, uh, what do you think about more than anything else? I'm not going to ask you to stand up and, and say what that is, but that's an indication of whether you're walking by the flesh or by the spirit. When we came into a relationship with Christ, the Bible says, we became alive to the things of God. We, we were able to be able to compre- comprehend who God is in our lives and what God wants to do in our lives. Look at Romans chapter 7 verse 4. Romans chapter 7 verse 4 says, Likewise, my brothers, you have also died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. 
when we surrendered our lives to, to Jesus for the first time, we could, uh, we could begin to comprehend or we could set our minds on things above rather than the things of this earth. But before Christ, our minds were just totally focused on the flesh, the temporal, the here and now. But as new babes in Christ, we have the ability, we've been set free from the chains of sin and death, and now we have the opportunity, we have a, another mindset where we can focus on things above. Unfortunately, we still have the choice, whether it's the flesh or the spirit. But in walking and trusting the spirit of God, we have a new mindset. Colossians chapter 3 says, set your mind on things above. And as, as, as our minds function, we need to filter our minds through, through, through the Holy Spirit. We need to purify our minds through His Spirit. Look what Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says. You can, this is in your outline, I believe, this morning. But whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right or pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That doesn't come naturally. You know, our default mode is the flesh. And we have to practice, we have to exercise our minds to think about noble and right and praiseworthy things. And there is a huge difference between people who set their minds on the flesh and those who set their minds above. And don't we love to be around people who are positive, who are encouraging, who always have God thoughts rather than earthly thoughts? They, they, they encourage us. They inspire us. They, they, they bring out the best in us. This is the benefit. This is the blessing of walking in the Spirit. Flesh leads to death, leads to bondage. But in verse 6 of Romans chapter 8, Paul says it leads to life and peace. Set the mind of the Spirit but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. How how does this work? Have you ever watched two uh, toddlers uh, try to get along with one toy? Doesn't work very well, does it? Why? What what's their mind focused on? What's their mind focus on? And then the word, mime. You know, uh, I love my little granddaughter, Macy Gray. She's just an adorable little two-year-old. But she knows the word mine very well. Everything is her. The world is hers right now, okay? <laughs> but why Why do, you know, why is that age? Why do those children, uh, why... Why are they so possessive? Why can't they share? I mean, mom and dad, did you teach them to be selfish like that? 
You're not saying no, so maybe you did. I don't know. I didn't teach my kids to behave that way. But the reason why they behave that way is because they're living in the flesh. They've inherited a fallen nature. And uh, their default is nature is selfishness. They're focused on what they want. And that's what happens when one walks in the flesh. I mean, that is our natural default zone. And we have to train ourselves. Train ourselves to live the way God wants us to live. Not focused on my desires any, any longer, but to be focused on God's love and what God wants me to do and how God wants me to bless others. It's Jesus first, others second, and you last. In the flesh, it's just me first. And that's where my mind always is. Oh, occasionally, we know people who who don't have a relationship with God, but uh, they find uh, kind. They're, they're kind-hearted. They want to serve others and and um, and bless others. How can they do that? Well, it's because we're all created in the image of God. We have the ability to do good things. But when it comes to our, our true nature, our, our default of behavior, it's the flesh. And it's only through the power of Christ that our mind can change, that we can keep from being selfish and start living selfless lives and this is this is the first evidence of walking in the spirit is there's a mindset change but not only is there a mindset change number two there is a desire change look at verses seven and eight again for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to god it doesn't submit to god's laws indeed it cannot those who are in the flesh can't please God. It is an impossibility. But when we come into a relationship with Christ, Christ gives us new desires. We no longer just want to live for ourselves, but we want to live for him. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 22. Paul says this, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Only the Spirit of God can help us do that. And those who are walking in the Spirit have the ability to do this. But when we come into a relationship with Christ, yes, our sin is condemned. It no longer has power over us. It's gone forever. We don't have to fear sin. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear judgment. But we still have this nature. And there's this huge battle that continues to rage. Look at verses 23 and 24 of Romans chapter 7. Paul delights to, to, uh, in the law of God and his inner being, but verse 23 says, But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. And making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. 
wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Can anybody test it, give me a testimony? You know, can give, anybody give me a word? Can, do you identify with what Paul has just said here in this passage of Scripture? Yeah. We're all there. We all struggle with this. But Paul says in verse 25, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Folks, we don't have to be a slave to our sin, to to the, the law of God. He has set us free. Before Christ, this was sin was our ball and chain. And we wherever we walked, we drug this with us. And it was only Jesus through the power of the cross that he unchained our sin and set us free. You're probably wondering where I got this. (laughs) Don't tell. (laughs) When I married Susan... My brother, my brother gave this to me at the wedding reception and put this on my ankle and locked the, locked the lock and kept the key. So he, he eventually gave the key back. But, uh, and so this has been a tradition in our family ever since. So when he got married, guess who got this? My brother. And, uh, did we give it to Patrick when he got, we forgot to give it to Patrick when he got married. <laughs> but we did give it to Trevor when he married Mary. But, uh, so I, someone asked me, well, who's going to get it next? And I totally skipped over Kyle and was thinking Logan. <laughs> and so why didn't you mention Kyle? And I, I've just kind of given up hope on Kyle. <laughs> no, we, one of these days, but uh, but before Christ, this is what we wore. But after Christ, Jesus set us free, and He's given us new desires. But for a lot of us, you know, those fleshly desires are a lot stronger than the spiritual desires. What's the answer? How do we work this out? How do we make the spirit stronger than the flesh? That is a great question. And it requires baby steps. Each day you're, you're practicing, you're getting out of bed and you're thinking to yourself, God, help me to have a mindset for you rather than a mindset for myself. We need to learn to feed the spirit that's within us rather than our flesh. And it is so easy to feed the flesh. And when we feed the flesh and not our spirit, you know what? We find our flesh getting stronger and stronger. And we've got to starve the monster and start feeding our inner man, feeding our inner man through the word of God. Feeding our inner man by being here regularly. 
You know, it's really hard to grow the church these days because um, for a lot of people in the church, their commitment to church is one out of four Sundays a month. And they think that they're doing themselves and God a favor if they show up once a month, maybe twice a month. Folks, we need to be here every single week. And not just for you, but if you're a parent with little ones, you need to be here for those little ones. You need to be uh, cultivating a heart that is going to be receptive to the word of God. Jesus talks a lot about the soil condition of our hearts. You know, there's the, there's the rocky heart, heart, there's the, there's the hard heart, there is the, um, uh, weedy heart, uh, is there another heart? Oh, the fertile heart. And if we're just weekend warriors and, uh, little commitment to the local church, What kind of heart are you helping cultivate, not only in your personal life, but in the heart of your children? I want to make a commitment to you, mom and dad, that when you bring your children to church, Sunday school, Sunday morning, children's church, youth group, we are going to work really hard to make it an atmosphere, a learning environment that they are going to thoroughly enjoy and are going to beg you to bring them back to. So we want to partner with you, but you have a responsibility as a child of God to nurture that personal relationship. And when you are walking with the Spirit, your mind isn't set on the flesh, but your mind your, your, your mind is set above. He's going to give you new desires. New desires to please Him. And again, let me say this again. If you're just a believer who comes once or twice a month, again, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No con- God can't love you anymore or any less. He's not going to love you anymore if you're four out of four each month. There's nothing that you can do that will make God love you more. No condemnation. But there are consequences. When we choose to pursue the flesh over the spirit, one leads to death and the other leads to life. Look at Romans chapter 7 verse 5. Romans 7, 5 says, For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit 
of death. And when we pursue that path, even as Christians, no, there is not spiritual death. God holds you and keeps you forever. Whom God saves, he keeps. He will never let you go. But you will suffer the consequences of a life of sin. There are consequences. New mind. New desires in walking in the spirit. Number three. God gives you new perspective. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says, You, however, you, however, you're, you're not in the spirit. You're in the, you're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. And he gives you a way of perceiving things differently. This is what the law of the spirit does. He is there to help. Psalm 112, verse 7. Write this down. Psalm 112, verse 7 says this. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. When we are walking by the Spirit, the Spirit is there to help us. And even when... Life throws us a curveball. We don't panic because God is there. And maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, well, pastor, you know, I try to walk in the spirit, but oftentimes I don't feel God. Join the club. When we're saved, we aren't saved into a relationship of feelings. We're saved into a relationship of faith. It's not feelings that save us. It's not feelings that um, help us to think that God is near. No, it's faith. You want to please God this morning? Live a life of faith. Don't live by sight. Don't live by feelings. But just know. That if you put all your hopes and dreams um, in earthly things, in temporal things, just know life is going to throw you a curveball. And if that's where your hope lives, lives, it's going to be crushing disappointment in your life. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It's just not, that's not where our hope lies. I love Facebook. And I uh, get to, I get to, um, stalk or follow, uh, people that uh, I've known over the years. And, uh, there was, there's this family that, uh, I really appreciated my, my, the, the church that I came from in, in, in Highland, um, the, the Smith family. And uh, Cindy Smith, she's the mother. She was a single mother of three children. We got their picture, I believe. John, you want to bring that up? This is Cindy and with her three three children there. And I, don't, I forget, forget her son's name. I want to say 
been, but uh, he was still in elementary school when I was at the church. That was a long time ago, obviously. But uh, Jessica, Ben, and Heather, uh, single mom, she did a fantastic job in uh, raising uh, raising these three children. Well, on Facebook a couple weeks ago, uh, she found out that she has lung cancer. She has stage three lung cancer. And uh, she's put together a blog. Um, and she just is uh, wanting to just share her story, um, share her relationship with the Lord and, and all that God is, is taking her through right now. And I thought I would read um, a little bit of her blog because she walks with the Lord. And God has given her his perspective about her situation rather than, you know, a fleshly perspective. This is what she says in her blog. Three months ago, I began my journey as my doctor tried to determine why I had chronic uh, laryngitis. She finally ordered an x-ray and and an opaque area showed up. She suspected a mass, but wanted me to have a CT scan as soon as possible. I led a mission trip to Kentucky with some, with some hesitation, but I knew God would give, would strengthen me for the week ahead, even though my breathing was labored and I had talked like Minnie, uh, Minnie Mouse. My team prayed over me and picked up the slack for me when I needed it most. While in Kentucky, one of the songs we sang almost every day was Great Are You, Lord, and the chorus of the song is as follows. It's your breath in our lungs. We pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. The tears began to flow as I realized this song was for me. Chosen without my knowledge by a God who knew exactly what I would need. A song that God would use to remind me over and over that week and beyond that he is the breath in my lungs. And in the midst of great uncertainty and some fear, I would still thank him and praise him. It will be my themes throughout this blog as he physically gives me the breath in my lungs, but also sustains me at the times when I need to just breathe and trust him. A couple paragraphs later. My primary care doctor called me and said that she had the results of my CT scan was very concerned that she had moved heaven and earth to get me to this pulmonologist the next day to talk about the five centimeter mass in my uh, thoracic, thoracic cavity. Not coincidentally, all three of my children were in town, so they were able to attend this meeting. The doctor explained where the mass was and that it was inoperable because it was wrapped around the organs of the thoracic cavity and that the bronchoscopy needle biopsy would need to be done as soon as possible the doctor hugged me and said it's going to be okay i thought yes it will be no matter the outcome it will be okay 
And as we walked out, I felt overwhelming peace flood over me from a Savior who gives the kind of peace the world cannot give. That's the blessing. That's the benefit. That's that's the payoff of walking in the Spirit. It doesn't mean that our lives are immune to uh, pain and suffering and disease. We're going to encounter those things. By God's grace, I hope we don't, but we, we may very well. But in walking with the Spirit, we have His perspective. And we can have His perspective because we have been disciplining ourselves by setting our mind above, by living by His desires and not our own. And Cindy has taught her children this. A single mom made sure that her, she and the kids were in church every Sunday if they were in town. They watched their mom walk by faith. Their mom has been a solid rock foundation in their life. But more importantly, Cindy has pointed them to Jesus Christ who is the solid and sure foundation that will never be shaken. And they are believing and trusting God, regardless of the circumstances. That's what God wants to do in our life. He can change our perspective. Number four, walking in the Spirit Gives us a new purpose. Our purpose changes. We never, we no longer live the way we used to. We want to live for Him. And friends, when we choose to live for Him, that's going to lead to a life of peace. Look at verses 12 and 13. So then, brothers, We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Before coming to Christ, our theme was, get all I can can all I get, and poison the rest. It was just about me and pursuing my desires. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. If you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Paul describes the um, characteristics of the flesh. He says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. 
I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, my life doesn't fit all those categories. I'm not all those things, but I've experienced or I've lived out hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissensions. We're all in one of those lists. But when we come to Christ, as he gives us new desires, uh, new perspective, new mind, you know what? We don't want to be held to these things. We want to be living. We want to, he gives us a new purpose to live for him. And then finally, we see in verses 14 through 17, let me read that one more time. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. As we walk in the Spirit, God gives us a new identity. We are no longer sons of the flesh, sons of the devil, but we are children of God. We're a child of God. And God doesn't leave you alone to try to figure this life out by yourself. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us to cry out to Him, to be dependent on Him, to say, Daddy, I need you. And we can call upon Him and we can go to Him because He's our Dad. He's our God, and the Bible says He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He is always going to be there for you. And I know that for some, that that is a hard thing to comprehend because you had an earthly father who wasn't there when you needed Him most. And you were abandoned. And you know what? God even understands that. And I don't know why God allowed that to happen in your life, but God wants to use it in your life to make you more like Christ. And we're going to be looking at that later on. God is there for you. You have a new identity, child of God. He understands. He knows where you're at. He knows the battle you're in. Spirit versus flesh. And oftentimes you feel like you're losing big time. 
want to remind you one more time. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The sting of sin and death is over and done if you have a relationship with Jesus. But yes, this flesh and spirit thing, it's a daily battle. But you're no longer under lock and key. Before Christ, you only had one choice. Flesh, 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 flesh. That's what consumed our minds. But in Christ, we have another option now. And this option leads to life and peace and the fruit of God. But we got to exercise this daily. We got to starve the flesh and feed the spirit. If you struggle, may you exercise this opportunity daily. And as you do, that spirit, that inner man will grow stronger and stronger and stronger. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the hope that you give us. And uh, like Paul, we struggle between the flesh and the spirit. But Jesus, you are our only hope. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You set us free. My friend, if you're here this morning and you want to be set free, you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning. That's where it starts. Acknowledging that you've been living for yourself and you're tired of doing that and you want to give your life to the Lord. You believe Jesus died for you. You believe that Jesus came back from that grave three days later. You believe that Jesus is alive and can set you free. Call upon his name, the Bible says, and you will be saved. Christian, are you in that battle? God has given you his spirit. with the ability to set your mind on things above. He wants to give you the desires to live for Him. He wants to give you that perspective of life that those who are in the flesh don't have. Would you call upon Him? Say, God, give me a new purpose for living my life, not for myself, but for you, God. Jesus, thank you for understanding us. You went through everything we go through.
but you didn't fail. You conquered it all, and we thank you for that, and thank you for understanding where we're at, and thank you, Jesus, that you don't condemn us. You're nothing but grace and mercy who want to help us in our time of need. God, I don't understand that, but your word says it, and so I'm going to believe it. Minister, your, your, your grace and your presence in each one here this morning. In Christ's name, amen.